Right now, what I want you to do is put your hand on the shoulder of the person next to you. And I want you to understand something right now that each of us here have come here with something, some type of a baggage or something in our heart. And nobody here is perfect. And uh, right now, we're going to pray for each other. You pray silently in your heart. And um, I'm going to pray out loud. But uh, right now, we're here to hear God's word. And we're going to have an awesome weekend. And we want to keep it Christ-centered. Um, so, let's start off with, um, with praying. Uh, dear God, we just uh, we thank you so much, Lord, for allowing us to be here and uh, just, to, just to fellowship amongst each other and to open up your word and, and, and break down the verses that you have before us. And I pray that we can take these verses and apply them to our lives and be the Christian that you have called us to be. And I pray these things in your name. Amen. All right, right now we're going to look at um, this verse right here, um, Mark 8:36, And I'm going to jump a little bit before that <clears throat> because I want you to see and understand the context um, of this verse, of the whole chapter. And <clears throat> right before uh, Mark 8:36, <clears throat> in the beginning, Jesus and his disciples, they're on a missionary journey. And they're feeding roughly 4,000 people. And I can't imagine, they've been on journey for quite some time. They're traveling, and Jesus is doing uh, great miracles. And they come across a crowd of 4,000 people. And they're tired, but Jesus, he felt compassion for them. So, that was a, they, he fed 4,000 people. And then Jesus, he asked the disciples, you know, who do people say that I am? And Peter, um, he said, well, some say you're Elijah, some say you're the prophet, and some say you are the Christ. And then Jesus, he began to prepare his disciples for his death. He began to tell them, I'm going to suffer, and I'm going to go through pain and sufferings for you. But Peter pulled him aside and confronted him. And... Jesus said to Peter, uh, Jesus rebuked Peter and said, get behind me, Satan. See, at that very moment, Satan was already at work. He was already planning to stop Jesus from going to the cross. And if you think back then, when Jesus was born, what did King Herod do? King Herod tried to, stop, tried to kill Jesus. And here we are, 33 years later, Satan is plotting to stop Jesus from going to the cross and dying for your sins. Now think about that. And then we move forward to this verse right here. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? And we're going to talk about that. We're going to break it down. Basically, profit, basically to benefit. And then forfeit is to lose. You can profit it all. You can have it all. And you can forfeit it. And you can lose your soul. And that's your eternal destiny. See, we're all going to die. We all have an eternal home. And that's either heaven or hell. And think about it. We have, what, 80, 90 years to live? That's not very long. 
So that gives each of us a chance to make our marks. And we're going to move on here. What do you think you can gain? If you think, for what shall it profit a man if he gain the whole world? And you look at that, what can you gain? At your age, you can gain what? Popularity. You can gain money. You can gain fame. You can gain material things. You can gain all your wants, ungodly pleasures. You can gain all these things. And they're good for a while. But is it worth? For what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his soul? So at the end, when you stand before God, would you have gained the whole world or would you have gained him as your Savior? Now, if we move further down, there's an awesome part to this verse. In verse 38, it says this, For whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will also be ashamed of him when he comes in the glory of his Father with his holy angels. Now look at that. The Son of Man will also be ashamed of him when he comes. He's coming back. The time is coming. The decision is now. Are you ready for the rapture? It's real. It's reality. It's, it's, it's going to happen. Scripture doesn't lie. And the Bible's not a lie. It's, it's, it's a proven fact. And... Jesus Christ is going to come. And it's real. And that's why we want you here this weekend, so we can tell you about God's love and and tell you how to become a Christian. And some of you are here this weekend, and you are Christians. But you know what? You've sort of fell away, maybe. And some of you here are, you have no idea what I'm talking about. And, And I hope that you can have a clear understanding of what I'm trying to say here, that your soul is going to go somewhere when you die. Whether you're 80 or 90 or 100 years old, it's going to go somewhere. And that's either heaven or hell. So what is in your wallet? And we're going to look at these things here. I'm going to throw down a, a, a list of things. And um, we're going to look at some scripture. And lies? Think about it. How many here have lied before? How many we've all lied? But you know what? There can be a compulsive liar. You, you can be somebody who just, you, you dig yourself in lies but let me tell you something. The, the father of lies is Satan. He is the father of lies. And he will lie to you daily. He will tell you there is no Christ. He will tell you that Jesus is not coming back. And he will do everything he can to make you miserable, to keep you from God, to keep you from making that decision to trust him. And he's very good at it. He's very crafty. And he will lie to you daily. You know, the main, his main job, every day you wake up, the main job of Satan is really to destroy your life from the moment you wake up. That's his job. And he's the father of lies, and he can convince you not to trust Christ as your Savior. Lack of faith. Maybe you're here today and you lack some type of faith. You're not sure. And I brought this uh, coin here, and it's amazing how much the Bible tells us you have to have faith small as a mustard seed to trust Christ. And I have a coin here. And it's, it's that little dot right there. Can you see it? That's it. That's, that's all you need. That's it. That's the only faith that you need 
to trust God and Jesus Christ into your heart. Isn't that amazing? You know, God made it pretty simple. He's a, he, he didn't make it very difficult to trust Him into your heart. Feeling worthlessness. Some of you have come here today and you're feeling like, you know what, life sucks. Life's no good. You know, what's the point of living? Well, then we can go back to it again. We go back to lies. Satan is what? He's the father of lies, correct? So, feeling worthlessness or misunderstood. Or life's not fair. No, life's not fair. Of course it's not. Now, when you get saved, does that mean that the trials of life just go away? No, right? Think about it. Life's not fair. You get saved, you have Christ in your life. When you go through the trials of life, because those trials are to decorate you, to train you, and to shape you into God's image, because he wants you to be like him. And life isn't fair, it's not. But when you're going through the trials of life, you can have him through your trials, to help you through your trials. Or apathy. You know, apathy is what? Just throw up your hands, you know what, I don't care anymore. You know, whatever. You know, I'm just going to do what I want to do. I have my own agenda. I have my own plans for my life. But at the same time, you're still trying to figure out what, the filled, what, what can I fill my void inside with. Because each, each of us have a void inside of us. And I can just go around my, all my teenage years and I, I got my own agenda again, my own plans. And, you know, I don't care. I'm just going to sit back and do what I want and I'm going to be miserable inside and I'll let anybody know about it. Because I've got my plans, I've got my directions, I know what I want to do. Or drugs. Maybe you're here today and some of you think it's okay to do drugs on the weekends. You know, I'm a Christian, but you know what? On the weekends, I'll just drink and I'll go to church on Sunday. And then on Monday, I'll go back to school and I'll be somebody completely different. So I'm going to live the hypocritical lifestyle. And I'm going to consume myself with drugs. What about relationships? I bet you some of you here have what? Girlfriends, boyfriends, right? Okay. All right. How about you guys? Are you guys treating that girl like a sister in Christ? Are you directing her to be more like Christ? Or do you have a different interest in your mind? And that's the question you have to answer. Are you thinking differently? Or are you thinking, you know what? She's my sister in Christ. I want to encourage her. I want to build her up. I want to make her more like Jesus. Peer pressure. What about peer pressure? Okay. Peer pressure can go both ways. You can be peer pressured to do the right thing or you can be peer pressured to do the wrong thing. So, if you're going to hang out with the wrong crowd, what's going to happen? Bad decisions and bad outcomes, right? So, if you hang out with the right people, people that are going to draw you to Christ, what's going to happen? Right. You're going to make good decisions. So, what comes in will come out. You hang out with godly people, well, that's going to come in and then it's going to fall out of you. If you hang out with the wrong people, well, you're going to be somebody different. Again, what comes in? Trash goes in, trash goes out. Simple as that. So peer pressure can be used both ways. Um, bitterness. Here's a really cool verse on um, 
on bitterness, and it's in Hebrews 12. I hope I can find it fast enough. Hebrews 12, 14 through 15. And it says this. Well, it says in 14, it says, um, Pursue peace with all men and a sanctification without which no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one comes short of the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springing up causes trouble, and by it may be defiled. So that word sanctification right there means to be set apart, to be set apart for Christ. And if you are set apart for Christ, the Bible is saying, do not let any bitter root spring up from you and be at peace with all men. You know, how many here have ever ever been bitter towards somebody? I tell you what, you know, bitterness... Excuse me. Bitterness can destroy you. It can, it can destroy your relationships with your friends, with your family. And most of all, it can destroy your relationship with God. And I tell you right now, Satan loves to make you bitter. He would love to make you an angry person and to keep you far from God. He just wants to dig your hole deeper and deeper. He just wants to throw lies at you. He wants you to be apathetic. You know, he just wants you to be completely of the world. So he, his job is to keep you far from him. So you have you could have all those things in your wallet, okay? And that can be in your heart, and or you can have God, or God can be in your heart, and you can be walking around with God in your wallet. First Timothy six uh, seven through fourteen. First Timothy six seven through fourteen. A really cool verse right here. And, um, okay, let's see here, 7 through 14. Stay with me now, all right? For we have brought nothing into this world, so we cannot take anything out of it either. Um, And then jump to verse 11. But flee from these things, you, you man of God, and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, perseverance, and gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called. So that's Paul, and he's talking to Timothy. Timothy's a young man, and he's a young man in the mission field, and he's telling Timothy, for we have brought nothing into this world. We brought nothing. We have brought nothing. We, have, we earn nothing. And so we cannot take anything out of this world. Nothing. So for what shall it profit a man to gain the whole world? Again, you can gain everything. You can have it all. And we're going to talk more about that tonight. You can have everything you want in life, but you're, taking, you're not taking it with you. The only thing you're taking with you is your soul, and that's it. And again, that's either heaven or hell. I never understood something until later on in my life. As I read the scriptures, I realized God doesn't want me to do this by myself. He he doesn't want me just to follow him on my own. That's why he created church. The church. We now, before God, should have a fellowship together. A sharing. Not just of thoughts, ideas, but a sharing of everything. To really care for one another. And the question is, is, do you want to be a part of it? Do you want to have this sharing, this fellowship, 
that God intended for his church? Or do you want to continue living in isolation? So think about it. The church is us. It's you and I. It's, it's, it's called the universal church. And it's all believers. It's not really the four walls that you may think of it. And you're not in it together. You, you, we're in it together. We're not separate. So we're here for each other. We're here to encourage each other, to build each other up as Christians and as leaders for, for Christ and for the world. So I want to, right now, I want to sort of throw at you um, the book of Romans. Anybody heard of Romans before? Okay, you know the Romans road? And the Romans really built the Romans road. You know, they were a, a powerhouse, the most powerful country in the world at that time, in that era. And they built the Romans road to go out into the world. And the Apostle Paul, he took that road and he took that world out into the world to tell people about God's love. And we're going to look at this right here. And it says in Romans 3.10, as it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. None of us here in this room are righteous. In Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So what that's saying right there, we've all sinned, we've all come short. Everyone, and everyone in this room is a sinner. And um, we were born sinners. Your mother and father taught you or spanked you or told you no, not to do that. You knew to do wrong, right? When you were born and a little kid, and still today, you know when you're doing wrong and when you're doing right because you have a conviction in you. You have a, a void. And it says in Romans 5, 8, but God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Romans 5, 12, wherefore as by one man sin entered into the world and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men for that all have sinned. So we're all sinners and because of one man and remember what I said about Peter, how Jesus told Peter, get behind me, Satan. Satan was already trying to stop Christ from going to the cross for you. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And that's an awesome verse right there. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift, it's a gift, it's a free gift. It's like a free gift that you get you know, for Christmas or for, for your birthday. It's free. It's free of the taking. And here's a great verse right here. It says, That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and thou believe in thine heart that God had raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture saith, Whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. So you look at that right there, right? That's, that's your mustard seed right there. That's all the faith that you need to trust Christ into your heart and to believe him. And then for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It's pretty simple. I don't think God's plan for salvation is a, is a pretty hard plan. I think he made it pretty simple for us to understand and to receive him into our life and heart. And Uncle Paul... I'm going to do something a little different here. Um, my son Joel is going to give you the gospel message. And um, I want you to listen to this. Um, he had my iPod one night. And um, he gave a little devotional on receiving Jesus. 
and it's pretty cool. So uh, Uncle Paul's going to play it, and uh, why don't you listen into this? All right, guys. That was that was Joel's uh, gospel message. Pretty touching. But you know what? Now I want to give you that opportunity. We're going to pray here in a moment. And there are two things you can do. If you haven't received Christ into your heart, and if you want to do it today, I'm not going to force you. Nobody here is. That's up to you and God. You can do that. The second thing is, if you felt like you have fell away from God, and you're not walking in His path, the second thing I want you to do is rededicate your life today, right now. So, I'm going to lead you 
in a prayer right now. It, it's not my words that'll save you. I can just I can I can tell you how to do it. That's all I can tell you. And then you can pray in your heart to receive Christ. And I'm not going to ask you to come forward, but I want you to tell your counselor that you made that decision today. If you did, make it today. And also, I want you to tell your counselor that you rededicated your life today if you did that as well. So, um, right now, let's pray. And uh, you can repeat after me quietly in your heart. You can say something like this. If you don't know Christ and you want to know Him today, you can say, Dear Jesus, I believe you died on the cross for the sins of this world and my sins. And I ask right now that you would come into my heart and life and save me and forgive me of my sins. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. If you're here today and you and, and you, you felt like you know these past few months or even these past few weeks or this these, this past year, you know you, you've really struggled, you know, staying on the path that God has for you. You know, you can say you can just say something like this. You can say, "Dear God, I'm sorry." Forgive me. I've, I've gone out of your will. I haven't trusted you. I've, I'm sorry, God. Help me here today to get back on the path that you have for me. Help me today to restore my relationship with you. Thank you, Jesus, for being a loving God. Thank you for this day. And we ask that you be with us uh, throughout this weekend in your name. Amen.